and welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. I am your host, Cody Beekman. With me, as always, is Russ Amormeyer. Hey, how's it going? And we've also got uh, Mr. Daniel Beatty. Hello, everybody. And then we've got the Bryce's Right McMillan. Hey, what's going on? Just had a big old bowl of McKinnon Crunch. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> So I, yeah, I, I had to I had to drop that Bryce's right name. It just popped into my head, and I thought it was beautiful. Anyways, today <laughs> we've got a returning uh, guest, uh, a guy we always love talking to, uh, Mike Chambers. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How you been since the last time we talked to you? Been good, boys. Uh, thanks for having me back. I, I uh, it's good to have uh, hockey full bore right now, and. Uh, Right. Uh, even though my job has changed a lot and you can't get in the locker room and stuff like that, it's still uh, it's still great to watch hockey on a consistent basis and write about it. So I'm happy. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, this is the best time of the year when we got at least four or five games going almost every night. It's got it's it's just a beautiful time to be alive. eh? Yeah. So. Yeah. So we got a we got a lot to talk about. We're actually going to get into how your job has kind of changed throughout this whole COVID thing and, uh, you know, uh, just how, how you're still getting the info. But uh, as always, we like to start it off with um, Hockey Day in History. So, Mike, as our guest, uh, all, as always, we'd love to have you uh, start, our, start our Hockey Day off, uh, hockey day off in, uh, in, right. Yeah, well, I got a good one, boys, because uh, this guy's a friend of mine and, and he's just a great dude overall even though he works for the St. Louis Blues. But former NHL goalie Darren Pang was born in Meaford, Ontario. Pang played in the NHL 1984-85 through 88-89 with Chicago. Darren Pang is that, that little guy. Holy jumping. Holy jumping, right? And then <laughs> he, he, he worked for ESPN, really good at his job. And then eventually they, they told him that, that he can't say holy jumping anymore. And, uh, and then I think it was soon after that he left ESPN and joined the St. Louis Blues. So he's their color guy now. And uh, before COVID, I would go to St. Louis a lot, obviously. Division rivals there with the Avs, and it's a quick, easy trip, fairly inexpensive. And I'd see Panger in the morning skates, and one time – uh it was kind of cold and snowy and uh, i was calling my uber and he demanded that he would give me a ride to my hotel and uh so so he did that and we had lunch and stuff and i i just got a lot of respect for this guy one as a journalist and two as a dude he's just a really good human and, and so i was i'm happy that i could do on this day in hockey history on pair Oh man, see that's cool, and I'm so glad to hear that because I always thought Panger would be like a stand-up guy, and I'm 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 really stoked that actually kind of you know uh, closes the door on that because yeah, I, I honestly one of my favorite commentators of all time has got to be Darren Panger. I mean, and and uh, you know just like back in his playing days, like the guy hardly took up three fourths of the net. So, and yeah. I, I actually yeah. I actually uh, saw a picture of him in his uh in his goalie gear right next to Ben Bishop and seriously kid look, the guy looked like a little kindergartner standing next to Bishop who's what almost 7 feet on skates yeah uh-huh. no doubt 
Penger's the kind of guy that is just so happy-go-lucky, and I think he's happiest when he's at the rink. I mean, he's just uh, he's just a really cool dude, and just always happy, and uh, just just a good guy that that you want to be around. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that 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 warms my heart for no doubt. And well, actually, he's uh, working with John Kelly, who used to be the Abs broadcaster as well. So that's okay. That's a great one. Yeah. Let's compare those two. John Kelly is is uh, I don't want to say uh, not a good dude, but he his uh, he's very uh, uh, around the rink, morning skates and stuff like that. He's very reserved. I, he seems reserved. He's basically the opposite of Panger. So I think they're probably good for each other in a way as a team. But yeah, John Kelly is 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 certainly not the color guy that that is is in that booth every game. Oh, no doubt. No, probably not the most uh, vivacious of the two for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess opposites do attract. I mean, you know, um, uh, John Kelly's a good call guy, but yeah, I, I could definitely see that in him being kind of like more standoffish to a lot of people when. Yeah. Um, Hanger just seems like an all-around, just like, you know, hey, buddy, how's your family kind of guy, you know, just everybody yeah. around you. So, exactly. yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Nice hockey day in history there, Mike. I like it. I like it. Uh, who do I want? Who do I want to uh, follow up? This is a uh, pretty big shoes to fill right here. Um, I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make Daniel Beatty go next. Oh man. Well, first I love the Panger talk we're having. I I love him too because he's one of the more expressive guys out there. And I think he was the guy in the building when Ovechkin scored the goal, uh, where he like was playing against the Coyotes. Cause I think back then he was covering Coyotes games too. And he's the guy that just goes like, Oh, like when he does the windmill thing on, um, Oh, when he's laying on his back. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, that's what I love about that clip. Sometimes it's like an amazing play can be watered down because the commentator is very dry, but that definitely wasn't going to happen because of Panger. So that's awesome. Um, so, and I'll transition that because mine's a little bit goalie, well, a very much goalie related too. So on February 18th, 1918, okay, way back, we had the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, losing, which is nothing new. Um, they they lost nine nothing to the Montreal Canadiens, and this guy in net was this guy named George Vesna. Might have heard of him, <laughs> and that was the first shutout in NHL history, February eighteenth, nineteen eighteen. Nice. Wow, that's a good one. I really never knew what what Vesna came from. Uh, obviously, I knew he was some someone or something but i really wasn't sure what it was so that's good you know it's weird too this guy wasn't really much of a goalie growing up and he was kind of like the street hockey version of goalies because even on the ponds he wouldn't wear skates and so he took to playing in skates very late in his career and would almost try very hard to avoid like truly skating and the guy still revolutionized the position. And it's just crazy to think the guy basically didn't skate until he was like 15. Hmm. What? Yeah, that's nuts. 
Along those same lines, I'm I'm kind of curious where the Hart Trophy came from. Who was who was Mr. Hart? Oh, that's that's actually a really good question. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, anybody want to venture to guess? Uh, I would, but it would be so far in left field, it wouldn't even be funny, guys. Daniel? No, I I wouldn't. I wonder if it's in memoriam or someone's still with us. I'm not sure. Yeah, actually, uh, you are uh, you are very correct. Uh, the Hart Memorial Trophy is named in honor of Canadian Dr. David Hart. David Hart, who donated the original trophy to the NHL, was the father of Cecil Hart, a formal coach and general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. You Boom. beat me by seconds, Cody. I was looking it up just as we were trying to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, man, that mouse stick can move pretty fast, eh? Oh, yeah, it, whipping out words left and right, <laughs> but... All right, man. That's uh, that's a, that's a beauty uh, hockey day uh, as well. Let's keep it moving, uh, Ross. Uh, what do you got there, bud? Well, I'm gonna have to go and keep the goalie trend going, I guess. Um, but uh, February nineteenth in nineteen ninety six, Colorado Avalanche's Patrick Waugh became the second youngest goaltender to reach three hundred NHL victories. And on that night versus the visiting Oilers, Peter Forsberg scored his second career hat trick and added two, two assists as the Avalanche won 7-5 that night. That's just, I mean, when, <laughs> when great players play along gr- other great players, man, I swear, you know, you get these games like that where it's just everybody's doing so many incredible things, and I think we all can agree. I mean, when Patrick Wall was on, he was on, and – you know when Peter Forsberg was on, it was just it was uh, an incredible oh, look out. night. Look out! Yeah, <laughs> I got. I just it's just an amazing thing to see so many players under one roof, like just excelling so, just so immensely. Uh, like uh, Chambers, uh, what, what's your uh, what would you, what would you say your like favorite memories of that old crew back then? Uh Favorite memories. I, I I probably just the noise, how loud it was at McNichol Sports Arena. Um it became really loud at the Pepsi Center too when that opened, but the uh a McNichol Sports Arena was so small and concrete ish and um it it was just the loudest event events I've ever known and, and it was that way from the very first day that the Avalanche played, if you remember, they opened the 95-96 season against Detroit, which had come off a uh, record-tying 62-win season, I believe. Yep. And Kaminsky had, like, uh, two goals, I think, and the Avs won 3-2, and it was really a big deal because Detroit was by far the best team in the league. And um, I just remember how how we we were all introduced to the Colorado Avalanche, and it, it immediately was the the thing to do in Denver. Uh, it, it was just an incredible uh, event to go to because the team was so good, and and the and the place was just so loud. And 
I think we've lost a lot of that because these new arenas are, there's so much interaction on the concourse with like, I mean, it, in Detroit, I'm watching that game right now. They're playing the Blackhawks at home. Well, if you go to Detroit at that new uh, arena, you walk around the concourse and there's a zillion things to do, um, a zillion things to eat. And people get stuck out there. And then all of a sudden the, the game starts or a period starts and, and and there's not a lot of fans in the seats. Well, when the Avalanche played a, a McNichols, there was really nothing to do in the concourse area. So you you got in your seat and you were just I was just blown away at the at the noise that place made. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, like these super dome like uh, arenas now, they're adding all these like side attractions and stuff. But but back then, the main focus was the game, and that was yeah. I mean, nobody was walking around like uh, futzing around at the uh, the mini donut stand or you know uh, dipping dots. <laughs> yeah, kids were hanging out with Bernie at the concourse or anything. It was just. The entire attraction was the game, so I just, yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I I, I agree because I mean, God, going back to the Nuggets games when they'd have them there, I just remember that arena not being that big compared to most of the arenas. No, it wasn't. I think kind it, of during uh, that time. I think it held uh, sixteen thousand for hockey. Yeah, which is like Winnipeg, basically. <laughs> uh. Winnipeg's like yeah, like fifteen something, and that and that place is super loud as well. Yeah, um, but but there was also no press box at McNichols, um, so they they actually put us on the second level, uh, center ice basically in these makeshift uh, seats that fans sat on, and we had these big uh, pillows and these uh, uh, desks. Uh, it, it was just, it was so hard to get in and out of there because you had to basically climb over people. And then, and then fans were like immediately in back of you spilling stuff on you. It was just, it was just crazy. I mean, that place had no business hosting an NHL game, but man, it was so fun because of what it was. It was just different. It was like the old DU arena or, uh, or Joe Lewis arena in Detroit. It's just the, the old oldie, but goodies, man. There was just such character about those places. Oh yeah. Oh, see, yeah. Like just, uh, the, all the press just having a beanbag party basically. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, sweet. All right. Uh, Rot, uh, Bryce, you want to keep this baby rolling? Of course, of course. You know, but yeah, real quick, it's it just interesting talking about McNichols Arena. You know, I was born in 91, so just going to an Avs game for me was that was super young at that time. It was probably five or six. That was the first time I ever saw an Avs game. That was at McNichols Arena, and I don't remember it being that big either. But you no, know, I do remember the times, how crazy that was, especially um, during the Cup years. So yeah, just kind of just brought back a lot of memories for me personally, my first hockey game. Um, but, you know, February, though, February 15th, 1945, uh, uh, although the Rangers were two hours and 20 minutes late because of a late train from Detroit, they beat Chicago 6-2 at MSG in a penalty-free game that didn't begin until 10.50 p.m. and ended at 12.50 a.m. 
<laughs> so it's kind of just crazy to think about, you know, the circumstances. You're late two hours for a game. Um, and then we get to play. There's not a single penalty within that single game, right? And it's one of the latest games that's not a playoff game to end around 12.50 in the morning. So kind of went off the goalie side there, but just kind of a juicy little fun bit. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm actually going to have to stray away from the goalie side as well. Um, February 19th, 1952, actually, the Bruins home game was moved to a 4,000-seat Boston Arena when a section of the roof over the North Station track platform in Boston Garden collapsed. And Gordy Howe, well, he scored twice to lead the there Red is. Wings to a 43 win Gosh. over the Bruins. I thought we were going to have a hockey day in history without Gordy for a second. Woof, that was close. Well, right. I mean, with a, <laughs> I mean, without well, either uh, without Wayne Gretzky or Gordy Howe, it's kind of fucking hard, right? <laughs> That's naughty. How like related that was to what we were all talking about with the smaller arenas and the the older times and stuff. Yeah, four thousand seat. They give like that's that's a, that's small. That's like. I don't even know. Um, uh, what would you say? I'd, I'd say maybe like uh, the Budweiser Event Center. Budweiser, I think, only holds like uh, six, seven. I was going to say maybe the Coliseum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Col- I can see the Coliseum as well. But, hey, um, I got to say, wonderful hockey day in history. And so uh, – Hey, I boys, we'll- I got something to add with the, uh, uh, the penalty-free game. Oh, do tell. Since we're talking about the Avs and the Wings, at the height of that bloody rivalry, oh yeah, they played. It was either the season finale in like I don't know, maybe nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, oh one, might have been oh two, but both teams were just again right up there in the Western Conference, and it was either the season finale or the at one of the last games of the regular season. And they played at, uh, in Denver. I forget if it was at McNichols or Pepsi Center. But it was a penalty-free game between these teams that absolutely freaking hated each other. That almost what? seems impossible. I know. Right. And, that's, and that's just it. It was like... Was Claude Lemieux injured? I think, I think most of the bad boys played. I remember uh, Shanahan played, and there was very little checking, and both teams just agreed that, hey, this game doesn't mean anything, and we're going to go to war in the playoffs, and we just want to prepare for that. So let's just get through this game. And it was the strangest thing. I don't think I covered it. I think I watched it, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I remember that because it was just the most – like you expected to see fireworks any time that those two teams met. Oh, but yeah, in this case, in this case, there was nothing. I mean, not, yes, even, yes. not even a penalty. That's just Some weird. NHL parallel universe, this stuff happens. <laughs> that was like the calm before the storm, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, that, I, 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 I don't even know what to say, honestly. Right. <laughs> Well, all right. Let's uh, well, uh, let's move on forward. We've got a new, uh, we've got a new little segment that we've uh, been working out. So we're gonna do the player spotlight. Um, 
So today, um, I'm going to choose uh, Patrick Laine as my uh, player spotlight, and not for good reasons. <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, obviously he's he's had a he's had a huge um, he's had a huge problem in Winnipeg. You know, speaking out how he's unhappy about you know this and that, and just completely like problems, problems, problems. Finally, you know, you find you find your way out of Winnipeg, and I mean, not the best place to go to is Columbus if you're looking for what you what you what he's been begging for is like playing top line minutes, even though he's he he is the one of the first games he comes back, he gets sat again for the third period for mouthing off to a, a coach. Like, dude, you've just got you've just been traded. You got a whole new start, and. Two games in, you're mouthing off to a coach. How? Tell me how? How does this work? Like this kid, for me, it's it's just self destructive. And I mean, Patrick Laine could be a, a complete all star, just like smoke show in this league. But I mean, I, I just gotta say, this attitude's really taking him out of like taking him anywhere in this league. Uh, am, am I wrong to think about this, boys? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I like that Torts won't even put up with that. That's one thing I love about Torts. It's you play into his system. If you want to get snippy, he don't he don't give a shit. He'll bench you for the rest of the game. We've seen it multiple times on many teams that he's coached, boys. So I I mean, and they also have a bunch of other key players that they can plug in too. Line isn't the end of the world if you bench him, honestly. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you like you look at Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets, as probably the most blue collar hockey team we've got in the in the, oh, yeah. in the league right now. You know, hard working, hard working. You know, just like uh, brings a lunch pail every day, every game. So I just I, you know, I I, I kind of really feel like this this trade was uh, it was all obviously forced, especially by you know Pierre Luc Dubois. But I mean, in in some sense, uh, to like on Winnipeg's part too with Patrick Laine, so you got these two, you got these two players that really don't even fit on either one of these teams. Uh, um, I'm I'm gonna say he gets moved again at the deadline. Pull a Golchenyuk. Well, I mean, Golchenyuk's <laughs> uh, uh, he's gonna like he's gonna be playing. He's gonna have be playing for every single team in this league by the time he's done. No, but serious question though, is he possibly going to set an NHL record for most teams traded to in a season? Well, you've already got, you've already got two. So, I mean, what's, what's the record there? You know, you gotta, you gotta look that up, but I mean, right. he's, he's, he's knocking on the door. Um, I don't know, Chambers, what do you think? Uh, have you t- taken a look at line eight lately or yeah. what's your thoughts on this? My thoughts is, John Tortorella is a drama king. Um, he sits there and he benches Line. So that is a story. That's that's a headline. Uh, he Line just shows up and then he benches him. And then afterwards, obviously, that's the first question asked to Torts is why was this guy benched? And he said wow, it's not a big deal. I mean, it, it's things happen. I don't see why you guys are making a big deal of it. Of course, it's, it's a huge deal. It's why Cody Beekman is talking about it right now. Um, and, and I wouldn't get along with Torts if I had to work with that guy because 
even though that he, some people like his uh, demeanor, he 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 creates drama when it he he could have handled it internally and not made such a public display of benching a player that is going to make headlines. And then it's another headlines because Torch said it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal. So, and, and, and that's why we're talking about it. But, um, you know, line a, I, I, I agree with you, Cody. I mean, him pulling that on a new team and talking back to a coach is ridiculous. And it just shows that he is, he lacks a lot of things, including a, a maturity. But again, I think if Torch didn't want the headline, he could have handled it internally after the game or between periods or something. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, the, uh, benching your new highest asset the second game in. I mean, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that too because I mean, you see, you see Torch every every single every single interview he ever has. He always he's got to he's got to be up in arms about something, but he he won't talk about it by by any means. But he'll. Uh, you know, he'll definitely tell you where to stick it when you actually ask for these these simple things. So, I mean, it's uh, like, a, and I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a, a rocky road coming to, uh, coming down the pipeline here. I mean, those are two, they're two different uh, kind of um, kind of mindsets, and yeah, I think it's going to clash a lot more. I think I definitely don't think that this is the end of the Line A Torts saga, so to speak. I I just got to give Yarmo Kekalainen some credit here for seeing it from a point of view and vantage point too that this might be the best way to make lemonade out of lemons if Pierre-Luc Dubois is not uh, feeling too hot about playing in Columbus. And, you know, for Kekalainen, he's like, you know, I know Laine's got some discipline issues already in Winnipeg. And I'm, I hopefully can take him under my wing as, you know, being a pro Finnish hockey player. And this guy hopefully can become our new leader because I don't know if I can sign Nick Foligno next year. And I look at their cap situation. They've got so many players next year that are either RFAs or UFAs that are core members of this team for a while. So I think he wanted to see if it was better to keep the superstar and get rid of the coach and do the overhaul. Uh, see if the player would work with the system and maybe they would gel miraculously. Shocking. I am not shocked. It's not working out. Torts does this all the friggin' time, even back in Vancouver. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so like, I commend him for trying this, but I see it not working out and good on him for trying. But now, I like Cody's suggestion of maybe trying to even move him again um, because you got to figure who you're going to go with from here. It, it's not a binary. Is it torts or line a, but right. um, it is kind of a pivotal point for the franchise in, in terms of he's probably already thinking about the future of this team, the, the GM and, he's a, he's in a situation where he can still make lemonade out of the lemons that he's with. Right. But yeah, it, sorry, Cody, but you know, it's, it's even if you look at what towards his personality, you know, all the teams he's been through, 
Then, of course, you look at Line A, and I think Torch sees him as, you know, yeah, you, you could be a 30-plus-year guy in a down goal year. I see that, but then I realize what his worth is to the market. So I think Torch is just trying to nip this in the ass while he can. He's like this this back-talking, whatever, that you just decided to do when he got to this new team. I'm going to make it a public thing. I'm going to make sure that when I bench you, everyone's going to know why, and so is the rest of the league. So if everybody wants you or, or the thoughts of trading you, it could really be you know, a pipe dream, really. So now the rest of the league knows what you are and how you react to different teams. This is how I'm going to deal with it. You know, it's almost like saying you're going to stay here. We're going to keep it here for your talent, but I'm also going to just nip this in the ass while it's fresh. Yeah, show some respect at least a little bit. That's what I commend yeah. towards for. That's I agree with that. You know what I'm thinking right now, boys? Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne. One, you said that Galchenyuk and, 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 you know, guys who get traded like two or three or four times in a season. Duchesne got traded, what, he went to Avalanche, Ottawa, Columbus that uh, one year, and then the next year he's playing for Nashville. So that's four, four teams in less than a year. And then imagine if, imagine if, if Duchesne pulled what he did you know, with Sackick and Bednar, if if Torch oh. was the coach here. <laughs> oh, that, oh, man. And Duchesne just goes downhill more and more every single year. Every team he goes to, oh, yeah. he just takes his shit in his helmet. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I think I think that's a that was a lot of what I think to me in my in my own mind. I think that was a lot of problem with the Avalanche when uh, Duchesne and McKinnon were, you know, the one one and two. I think there was a lot of right. toxicity in the in the locker room, and I think it came directly from Duchesne. In oh, all, yeah, in all honesty, no, I was I saw it firsthand, and Duchesne knew that McKinnon was was gonna be really, or he knew his tools, and he knew that. Obviously, he had a great rookie season. He won the Calder. And then I think Duchesne figured out that he's never going to be the number one center on this team. And and then he just started whining. And then he went to Sackick and said, I just don't want to go through another rebuild. And then Sackick said, okay, we are going to move you. But then Sackick wouldn't just take any deal. And he waited, he waited, he waited until he got what – has basically turned around this franchise for, you know, the next five or six years at least. And, and um, yeah, Duchesne saw the writing on the wall that he, he was never going to be the one center on this team. And unfortunately he's probably not even a three center in this league right now, anywhere. Well, no, yeah. Especially when, when you're talking about the Nashville predators, I mean, like oh. how solid, how how solid their uh their centers are too. I mean, and I mean, uh, I just I don't think he even puts up enough points to really add too much uh, add too much to the team anymore. And I think uh, a lot of that has has to deal with uh, attitude and uh, you know stick to itiveness. And we've seen that. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, he's. It seems like I've watched a couple games. He's riding the struggle bus hard, boys. So yeah. I mean, he's just been dec- on the decline ever since this whole entire spat with the Abs because he was amazing, and then kid just petered out for some reason, and that's probably it. It is, it, yeah. And kind of like the lining situation, you know, it's all about your attitude. 
you know, ultimately his attitude is what got him traded, you know, during the middle of the game. Like, we were literally, Saki was just like, we're just going to do this now. Like, get him off the ice. Like, we don't like this guy that much. <laughs> like, it was, it, it was kind of a, you know, like, it was ironic, you know, it could be just, you know, the timing was off, but I mean, it was, if you're going to do that to a guy as a, as a, as an owner and as, you know, responsible for your players who comes in, who comes out and you're doing that mid game, you I mean, that, that's kind of says something, you know, and I think Duchesne's attitude definitely pushed that. Well, yeah. And here's my closing remarks. It's just, I mean, Patrick Line can learn a lot from Matthew Shane. And I mean, if, uh, if he's not careful, he's going to go down the same path. So I agree. Yeah. So yeah, player spotlight. Um, uh, Mike, do you have any uh, do you have any players that you've been looking at that's really impressed you so far this uh, this year? Bo Byram, big Bo Byram, absolutely. Yeah, Buddy, did, right. did you see him last night? He he played another career high. It seems like every game he plays a new career high in ice time. It was 20, 25 something. He got the game winning second assist. Um, he he's just. He looks better and better every game. And last night, he looked like Miro Heiskanen or something. Um, he, he's just – it's incredible that he's 19 and he's this good right now. Um, I saw him in training camp last year, and I wasn't impressed at all. I thought he was slow. and But um, he, he's definitely got all the skills. But he, he, he's probably the, the, the one guy I'm looking at saying – this is a franchise player. But you can say that about four or five Avalanche players right now. It's incredible. I oh, mean, yeah. Obviously, it starts with 29. But Makar, Gerard, Byram, I, I, it's just Rantanen um, and Grubauer maybe. But it, it's, it's – uh, Byram, I think, is right up there. And I think he's – a big reason why the Avs blue line might be or is the best young blue line in the league and might be the best blue line that this team has ever had, except for uh, obviously the uh, Bork, Foot, and, and, uh, and Rob Blake era. But, but uh, this is just an incredible blue line. And I think Sackick has really focused on what, he screwed up in his first years at GM and what the Avalanche as an organization didn't do for a 10-year span, which was draft a really good D high in the first round. They took, in a 10-year span, uh, they only took two D in the first round. One was uh, Kevin Chattenkirk, and they traded him. And the other one was uh, Duncan Siemens, and he was a bust. And they kept right. on signing like free agent D to fill in holes, but you got to build from the back end and Sackick understands that now. And that's what he's doing. And that's why this team is so good. In my opinion, it's a big reason why this team is so good is they are, are, are such are, are so good at moving the puck in the back end. And it's only going to get better because all of their young puck moving D are just still so young. Oh Yeah. I mean, with with the addition of Devon Taves, I mean, hockey IQ for all these young guys are just off the charts. And I mean, yeah, you want to talk Bo Byram. Last night, you had Eric Johnson, Sammy Gerrard, and Kale McCarr all out. All those defensemen eat up 
gigantic minutes for the Avs every night. And guess who gets put into that position? Bo Byram, and he plays yep. lights out. So I, I, I've got to absolutely agree. And yeah, with all the minutes that he's been getting, I think it's been building a lot more confidence with him. Like instead of what we were seeing here last season or when he first started coming into the NHL, like he's got a, now a new bolster to him, I guess. Well, and, yeah. and, and just like uh, just like you said there, Mike, uh, last year during training camp, yeah, he he looked he looked confused. He was obviously uh, gripping gripping the stick way too tight. I mean, you could easily see on his face how frustrated he really was with his play in during those you know preseason games and stuff. And I uh, I mean, after you know going and playing uh, playing in the minors and uh, his coach down there literally putting him in all facets of the game, I think did a world of wonders for his game. And uh, you're seeing him really break out right now. Oh yeah. I mean, we're really just talking about depth right now. Right. So we're, look, we're looking at all these additions to the defensive end and we're looking at, you know, these upcoming guys on the avalanche on the offensive side too. So I guess Mike, my question is, you know, besides the depth piece of this, what distinct changes have you seen from the guys this year compared to last year? Um, maybe you talk offensive guys. Maybe you talk some guys who have been around here for a year or two. Like, what are some of the distinct changes you've seen besides just the depth piece of this team? Are you guys asking me? Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of hard to really see new distinct pieces based on the fact that you really can't you cannot go in the locker room. You can't shoot the shit with these guys. Um, every question, everybody can hear. Um, it's just, it's hard to get a read on the room if you're not in it, right? So, but I, I let's just start off with Byram. I, I just think that he's, he's, he's making that second or that rookie full, full season step that a Makar did. And I think they're, they're both, just wonderful, just absolutely Bobby Orr potential D-man. Um, wow. It, 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 I, think, I think both of them have the ability to be all-stars for like, you know, and have huge long seasons. I really do. And then Sam Girard is just a, a, a special player in his own self. I think Makar and Byram have a lot of uh, – a lot of the same things in terms of, of, of what they do, a right shot, a left shot, but they're both just, just unbelievably gifted players. And Byram is just so unique in what he is and what he does with his size. Um, but I, I think that this team knows definitely, uh, and they knew it last year, but this team knows how good they can be. Um, this is a team that felt like it could win the Stanley Cup last year, but this is a better team than last year, primarily because of the addition of Taves and Saad. But there's this window going on right now, boys, and it's, it's, it's got three years, a little less than th three years now until McKinnon's salary is going to probably double and you're going to really have problems uh, getting this kind of talent signed under the cap because it's going to be a flat cap for at least a couple more years. So this is yep. a window that the avalanche are in right now. 
And this is a team that knows that. And I think that's partly why you saw them work so freaking hard last night because um, it's just a really confident team that I think really believes if they w- work really hard, they can go as far as they want. Well, give me that's awesome. That kind of segues into my next question. I know these guys have questions too, but I just have one here that kind of segues. It's, you know, looking at those Vegas odds and talking about winning a Stanley Cup, after these 13 games that you've seen them play, um, do you still see them as the favorite? Or do you still see them as, you know, we still have a year and a half, two years to go? We're really there. Oh, I think the Avalanche are really there. But in, if you want to compare them with Vegas, I think Vegas has the better goaltending. I mean, definitely the depth. Um, with Frankie out um, long term, uh you know, pound for pound, I think that the Knights are heavier. You know, the the uh, Avs have sacrificed a lot of, you know, big D to, to get the young uh, puck movers in there. And they they didn't sign a third or fourth line grinder, which I thought they would. You know, a fighter, a tough guy like Calvert. Calvert's got head injuries. I don't I, – if the Avs have one major issue, I think that they, they, they lack – uh, you know, that that grinding ability in the bottom six forwards and on the back end, especially with Eric Johnson out. I mean, you lost Ian Cole, you lost Eric Johnson, cert, you lost Zadorov. It, it, it's just not a very heavy hockey team. And quite frankly, boys, I've never seen a team win the Stanley Cup that, that, that isn't a really, really tough team. Physical, now, yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's I mean, able to grind. But you you got Kadri and Landeskog. They have more heaviness in the top six. I mean, good solid heaviness. I mean, Miko is a big heavy guy, and 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 Landeskog and and, and uh, Saad and and Kadri. But I I think that they lack that heaviness in other positions. But uh, we'll just have to wait. Yeah, you do lose a lot of weight with you know guys like Tyson Jost and stuff playing on your fourth line and I mean uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give Tyson Jost uh, some credit to this uh, this year he's really came into his own as a uh, you know as a, a big penalty kill kind of guy and it's worked out so far but I mean it's I, 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 I got to agree with you there isn't that uh, you know that sharp edge or big bag of knuckles that you know you can put out there and really grind down a couple of uh, guys on a, uh, for a couple minutes so I do, I do see that. I, I do see that can will p- most likely be a problem moving forward when you well, and we saw it last year against you know Dallas. You know yeah. Dallas was uh, Dallas was beating us up pretty, pretty good for the majority of that uh, that series last year, and I mean it showed through our frustration and you know just uh, how how we in in turn played the game. So I do got to I, I do have to agree with that. Um, so speaking of getting the job done, um, can you kind of like uh, just kind of, um, you know, obviously a new season, uh, you know, being a, a the Avs beat reporter for the Denver Post, can you kind of, can you tell us how you really prepare and get going for the season just like uh, through, you know, just doing what you do? And I mean, tell us how kind of like the COVID protocols and stuff like that has really kind of like changed your uh your like how you do your job 
Yeah. Well, it's all done in front of a TV or uh, uh, or my computer on Zoom now, and and it's it's not nearly as fun. It's it's not nearly as uh, I don't produce as as I don't produce the stuff that I used to produce as much because it's just harder because you can't sit down and like I said earlier, shoot the shit with the guys and get to know them and create a relationship. And uh, especially, you know, the new guys and really get some depth in, in your conversation. I mean, a one-on-one interview is, is is priceless for guys like me. And, And then now it's just, it's my, all my interviews that I do on zoom, you know, that video is on the avalanche a website uh, every afternoon um, and, and so everybody knows what we're asking so m- my stories aren't much of a surprise which is a bummer um, but it, it's you know and I'm not traveling now either because there's not a lot of benefit to travel I mean in California you can you you, you can't attend a morning skater a practice only the game and uh, everywhere else you can, but still there's not a lot of benefit there if you can't get into the locker room after morning skater game. So, um, you know, traveling was a huge part of why I love my job and it's, that's non-existent right now. Um, But we are saving up a lot of money. So hopefully later in the season when things open up and there are fans in the stands, um, I'm going to travel and perhaps, you know, these protocols are going to lighten up a little bit and things are going to get back to normal. But so to answer your question, everything I do with my job has changed from how I used to do it. But, you know, I I really can't complain too hard because as we know, everybody uh, in this COVID world has, has had the same problems. I mean, everything's changed in everybody's life. We just got to get through it, boys. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, and Mike, I I was kind of wondering about just the sustainability of the league right now. Um, from losing money, that's for sure. Yeah, I know because man, I read earlier, might have been two weeks ago now that the league took out a one billion dollar loan. And I remember earlier, um, you're the one that kind of got me into the business mind of thinking of the NHL this season when we had you on the first time, yeah. and how. This league, oh man, they really need the financial support compared to the other leagues. So what's your take on things right now, man? You think we're going to get through this? You think this league is going to be able to play next year? Even if we get through this year, are we going to be able to go next year? Or are we going to have to like take a break for a bit and financially get out of this? I think the league has done the studies and, and, and they're taking a hit, you know, obviously, as we talked about last time on this podcast, the uh, abs TV revenue just is, 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 is not bad. It's, it's, I think 200 million annually, but it, it's, it pales in comparison to the other three big leagues. And, and yeah, so the, the NHL is not making they're they're losing a ton of money right now, but if they know, that they could recover from this by putting on a season right now, they wouldn't be doing it. Um, so I think that they, there's hope for the future and they're just willing, you know, to take it in the butt right now, because this is just, uh, 
this is what they're doing because uh, <laughs> I don't think there's a plan B either. It's like it it has to finish, right? You know, it can't be canceled. Like that would uh, be the really rest bad. Of the season? I don't yeah, think so. like I I think they started this season knowing that that they're going to lose all this money, but they're going to finish it. Uh, you know, obviously the COVID stuff hovers over everything they do, but um, no, I th- I think that they're just willing to to really take a huge hit and then come back strong next year. But you know, I think they could do more than than advertisements on their helmets on players' helmets. Um, yeah, but, that's what I wanted to ask you next. Is like, well, what I, are what else are we thinking is going to happen? Because you know, I'm not going to stick around and watch a circus instead of going to commercial break and some weird entertainment crap coming on. But I, yeah. I think there's going to be some more advertising. Like, I just been watching games and I'm like, has there always been that many ads on the ice? Like, I'm, I'm kind of like questioning if more things have just been showing up or if they've always yeah. been there now you know and i'm like what's gonna happen yeah i i don't know if there's gonna be more advertising but but certainly you you can't blame them for for doing that uh no not at all because again i mean it, it, it's you know the nfl can put on a season with no fans and 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 they'll be all right same with baseball and and basketball but uh you know, again, boys, it, it's we're just lucky to have an NHL season right now, and and, and you know, hof- hopefully things are going to loosen up in the coming months, and and, uh, and fans can be back in the stands in every rink, not just California and Texas and Arizona. Hey, Mike, I was just curious on your point of view with the standings thus far. You're looking at the Blues, the Avalanche, and you have Vegas. And we have some games to make up. So in, in, in a couple of weeks, we'll be almost to the halfway point of the season. It's going to be pretty quick here. So what do you think of or how do you feel about this going on to the end of the season? And we're almost at a three-way tie with the Blues and the Knights. How do you think that would play out? Well, I think all three of those teams really want that one seed because they don't want to play uh, – two against three because that's going to be, you know, obviously Vegas against St. Louis or St. Louis. They, all three of those teams really want that top seed. And, and I mean, in this division, there's three really, really good teams and then the rest. And that's kind of how it's played out so far. And I suspect that that's how it'll continue. I do expect that the abs are going to have better runs. Obviously they, they they started a little slow in what would have been a preseason in a normal year that no one cares about the first six games, um, but but then they they started playing well and then boom they got shut down and then obviously the one zero loss the other night wasn't great and it was it was obviously a result of the guys you know being rusty in a lot of ways but. This is a really talented team, and I suspect if they can stay off the COVID shutdown thing again, they're going to have enough runs, enough good runs, to give them a chance for that one seed. Perfect. I just wanted to have your input on that because it's going to be close towards the end, especially when we make up those last three games we missed. 
Yeah, it's going to be tight. In fact, next week, the that, that game that was canceled against the Wild is on Wednesday in Denver, and then they they now have a back-to-back in Arizona. I mean, a buddy of mine told me, who who's also a journalist, he said something about uh, 17 games in 31 days or something because of the COVID shutdown and the rescheduling. Yeah, it's nice. yeah so it, it's, you know... The, the NHL got it right with the taxi squads and stuff like that. And the Avs sure did. got it right in creating such unbelievable depth. Because a team right now, if you don't have depth, you're not going to be in the playoffs, man. It, it, it's just you have to have re- really good depth because with all the COVID things and the injuries, because you're playing every other night, um, you got to have that depth. And, and that's certainly what the Avalanche – has yeah they they do in spades it's awesome to see that like we're talking about earlier how we think come playoff time we need a matt calvert like player and we hope he's certainly back but we also got other guys that we think oh my god am i saying we right now whoa that's weird i'm a canucks fan bad daniel bad bad daniel oh geez that was that was strange um but i i love that point and the other thing that's really weird is just how COVID's effect uh, has had on the AHL and how there's less teams. And oh, that means there's time. less there's less uh, people to choose from that league in your depth, in your farm system. And it's kind of getting uh, tighter and tighter as you go deeper and deeper. And it's just like, gosh, I hope, you know, we're going to be all right there. So, yeah, the AHL doesn't have uh, much of a TV deal individually teams have deals here and there, but they aren't getting rich on TV. They make their money with fans in the stands. And so they're, they're going to lose a lot of money as well, probably even more. And that's why, you know, three, four, five of those teams said we can't do it. So they backed out of the season. I'm, I'm glad that the Eagles are going forward. I know that they have a great owner in Martin Lind, um, but yeah, it, it, it's it, it's tough because you've got to have your prospects play in some place, and and uh, I think the Avs are lucky that that the uh, Eagles are willing to take that hit because the Avs don't own the Eagles. It's a separate it's a separate deal. The Avs provide the players for the Eagles, and they run the hockey side, but the entire business side of the Colorado Eagles is separate and that is Martin Lind and his staff. So, you know, uh, thank, thank Martin Lind for the uh, Eagles plan and, and providing the Avs uh, prospects place to play. Uh, just one thing I want to, I want to put it out there. Uh, rest in peace, Ralph Backstrom, by the way. Yeah. I mean, right. Uh, you know, uh, the founder of the Colorado Eagles, we wouldn't have that team here without him. So just a quick shout out to him and his family. I mean, six times Stanley Cup winner. I mean, boys, I, I, I'm I'm doing a big uh, we're not a big, but my Sunday NHL column is going to be on Ralph. And, and, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it because uh, I had a personal a relationship with him. And and, and I just want to say and the big part of the column is going to be. Ralph can Ralph should be in the the Hockey Hall of Fame for three reasons: for being a great player, winning six cups, he was 
Calder Trophy. Uh, he played in over uh, a thousand games in the NHL, a WHL. He played for the. Uh, um, he was just a great player. I mean, six six cups. That's huge. Okay, and and then as a builder, he he uh, he founded Roller Hockey International. He founded yeah, the, say the that, Eagles. Yeah. He uh, was the NCAA Coach of the Year at DU in 1986. Um, you can go on and on. This guy is an encyclopedia of hockey greatness. So he could get in as a player or as a builder. Or the third thing is an unbelievable human being. I mean, just yeah. one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, and I, I just, I'm glad that he lived to, to be 83. I'm sad that he died, but uh, just a wonderful person to know, man. And, and I hope a lot of people read my Sunday column because it's going to be kick-ass because it's really going to come from the heart. Oh, we'll That's, definitely be, yeah. we'll definitely be sharing that for sure. Six cups, Calder trophy, a thousand games. Well-deserved. Yeah. I think he scored th- 300 and some goals in the NHL and a hundred in the a WHL. So right there, he was almost a 500 goal scorer in the top two leagues in the world. Um, just people, he should be in the Hall of Fame for a lot of reasons. No, definitely I, agreed. Agreed. Um, hey, Mike, last question for you um, yeah. on my behalf. Um, just curious, you got the big game coming up Sunday, Lake Tahoe. We got the Abs in Vegas. Sorry, Saturday coming up. And so it's at 1 o'clock. And, yeah, so who do you got? And what's the score? Well, I think McCarr and Landeskog and Sherwood and Jost are going to be back. Um, they still won't have Gerard, but, yeah, they're, they're getting a lot of guys back. Grubauer is going to be in that. Uh, you know, I think the Avs are going to be fine. I wish I was there. I, sh- I, sh- I should be there because there's, you know, it's a big event, but, you know, COVID's COVID, and whatever reasons I'm not there, I'm, you know, it's COVID, right? So, um, but, no, I think the Avs are going to be fine. Uh, get Getting those three or four guys back is going to be huge. I know the Avs are really high on Kiefer Sherwood on the fourth line. Um, so losing He's him. He's got to, speed. That boy's got speed. Yeah. And I do think that someone was talking about Tyson Jost earlier. Well, I think Logan O'Connor is the, the guy that is going to ultimately – you know, be the guy that you can't take out of the lineup in the bottom six. Uh, 100% agreed, Mike. Logan O'Connor has really, really good speed, and he's he he just accepts his role, and he does it so well, and he, he just he, – he reads the game well, and I know that Bednar just loves him. And he's relentless, man. He's all yeah. – you, you, you saw it in uh, when he stepped in – Last season, uh, well, uh, in the series against Dallas, and I mean the kids, the kids got jam, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think in in the very end, I mean, uh, I think Tyson Jost was even asked about this uh, pre uh, preseason uh, or you know training camp this year, uh, where uh, where he thought maybe Logan O'Connor might possibly step in, but I I, I gotta say. Um, Logan O'Connor is going to make it really hard for Bednar to take him out of the lineup for sure. Yeah. And I love it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, There's no and, way he's going back to the minors. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, I mean, no. He, he, uh, he might go back and forth from the taxi squad based on his contract, and that is so complicated because they're right up against the cap. So it depends on who's hurt that, that they – like that game that they only played with 19 players, that was all because if they played with 20, they were going to be over the cap. So to be cap compliant – they have to take these guys on two-way contracts and put them on the taxi squad so it doesn't count against the big team. It's complicated stuff, but uh, Logan O'Connor, I think, is is already considered a full-timer, and he's he sure helped out with Calvert out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I know Ross has got a question. I just got one more thing to say. Do you, do you see Tyson Jost going in the uh, expansion draft then? Yeah, I think the Avs are going to lose uh, Ryan Graves, Tyson Jost, uh, or Donskoy. And I think they would prefer to lose Donskoy based on his contract. I mean, he's making four, I, th- I think it's four even or 4.5 uh, as, a, as, as a third line winger. Yeah, that, that's, four or five. Um, I mean, he's a good player and he's a good guy, but. Um, Eric Johnson needs to waive his no trade, and I think he will. So that allows the Avs to protect McCarr, uh, Taves, and Gerard. And then I think that exposes Ryan Graves. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be those three players. They might take Jost and give him another shot. You know, maybe that's what he needs for another team. Um, but Eric Johnson definitely has to waive his no trade because I really don't think Seattle's interested in a high money, thirty-two-year-old, oft-injured player yeah. like Eric. And and Eric has always been a team guy, and he understands that if he waives it, then they can keep their their top three D in in McCarr, Taves, and Gerard. Oh yeah, Ross, what do you got there, bud? Well, um, I, I want to kind of get your feels, Mike, on like the, I guess the imp, the more stricter COVID, I guess procedures and all of that. Do you think it's enough? I guess, or do you think they need to make more protocols within the actual arena and the game itself? I don't know, man. I I, I leave all that to the smart people, the scientists, and the healthcare people. I, I, I really don't know, but they're, you know, obviously trying to, to change a lot of things like the glass behind the bench and the glass in the penalty box and things like that. But I don't know what they have to do to improve and lessen this, you know, maybe be, be more like Canada. I mean, the States, that's where all this COVID problems is happening here with the NHL. It's the States that in Canada, it's not a problem at all. So be be more like Canada, I guess, eh? Yeah, right. Uh, we were oh, actually just oh, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, we were just talking about that on the last episode. Is that like? Yeah, I mean, we haven't even seen one postponement from up north. But here we go down south. Uh, we we just you know, it's like postponing after postponing. So I think, um, yeah, unfortunately, in in some, I you know, I ain't, I. Ain't, into the socioeconomics of life or anything, but society just needs to kind of get a grip and stop getting fucking COVID. 
Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I just, I leave that to the smart people, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, man. man uh, we normally, uh, well, we normally just like to sit here and bitch about it. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on and joining with us again. Hopefully, we can kind of make this a uh, more regular thing if you're down. Yeah, boys, I, I'd love to. I love talking to you guys. I'd love to uh, get around a table and have some beers and maybe do one. Um, God, that sounds so good. Yeah, let's yeah. get you in person. Uh, yeah. I can't I, wait I, for those days. Oh I'd enjoy God. that. I just know that you guys are way up north and I'm I'm south. But uh, we can come yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. <laughs> uh, I've known Cody for a long time, obviously, and uh, I, I appreciate you getting me on the show. It's a it's a real honor. Oh, we love having you on, man. Love talking with you. And yeah, let's figure out a way to get some beers going and uh, maybe bust one out all together. Because, I mean, that's what this really is all about, just getting together and talking pucks. So that'd be great. Yeah, seriously. We consider ourselves, you know, the, the hockey guys, you know, at least in Colorado over here to talk hockey. So, and you're the main guy that we know with the, the abs and just be so cool to get you on as, you know, one of these once a month or every couple months would be great mike love to man just sign sign me up oh buddy sweet that sounds good <laughs> well uh do you want to send any shout outs before we uh, t- uh take this one down there mike shout outs to special people in my life yeah how about it all right shout out to my son anthony who's uh got a congressional principal congressional nomination for the second straight year for west point oh hell yeah wow, wow. that's Way to go, Anthony. Now, he's not – he, he's, he's got to get a, ma- a medical waiver for a drug that he started taking at age 14. Uh, so he's not in on the application side, but the principal nomination means that if he has the uh, – he was Jason Crow's number one draft pick, so to speak. So the, the okay. principal nomination is a lot bigger than a normal one. So he, the chances of him getting – that waiver are very good because it's not a big deal. So, I mean, if I'm doing a shout out to anybody, it's my boy who's a lot smarter than me and is going to be a lot more successful than me. And he's just doing great things. He's a hell of a hockey player too. He's he's going to at least play uh, club club hockey at uh, at West Point Army. Oh, buddy! Well, Amazing! Hey, awesome! Huge congrats and a huge shout out to your boy. That's awesome, man. Um. Anybody else got anything they want to throw down? Per usual, our sponsors, My Beer Nation, and uh, yeah, uh, shout out to Dog Nation too. Um, and yeah, you boys, and thanks, Mike, for coming on. It's always nice talking to you and chatting some puck, man. Thanks, boys. I think my battery is cooked, so I'm going to sign off here. Thanks, and take care, and be well. All right. Cheers, Stay Mike. Safe. You got it. You got it. Bye, Mike. Not other word than what uh, uh, Ross said is to the to the sponsors and family, friends, and to you boys and to Mike. Awesome having him on. Daniel, I just wanted to say shout out to our sponsors and everyone listening, playing our fantasy hockey as well. I think that's always fun to see happening. And, oh yeah. Uh, must be crazy with all the postponements trying to figure out who's winning right now. But uh, oh man, like it's, the... it's it, 
it's been a it's been a bit of a circus, and uh, actually, um, it's hurt my brain. Yeah. Well, I played uh, I played Ross last week, and now I have Bryce this week. So it's been an interesting couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it. And so, anyway, just wanted to give a big shout out to all of our listeners, and thanks for the support. Right. I, I couldn't have said it better, boys. So, um, yeah, thank you to everybody listening. Um, and uh, once again, um, big shout out to the Backstrom family. Um, a huge loss losing Ralph Backstrom. Um, just like Mike said, he's done so much for hockey, especially Colorado hockey as well. So, um, shout out to the Backstrom family and everybody, everybody that tunes in every week. So. Without further ado, um, V. Horsch. Salute. Avidison. Aviento. Let's try the damn thing, see what happens.